secret lover hidden away in the attic, a twisted love triangle, and murder. The story of Dolly Ostrich is one of the most bizarre cases in history. It all started with Dolly, an unhappy housewife who began a secret affair with a much younger man. But when meeting up for their secret rendezvous behind her husband's back got to be too much, Dolly moved her lover into her attic, where he stayed for nearly 10 years. And in the midst of our story was a murder. But who was the victim? Was it Dolly, the secret lover, or the unknowing husband? We'll just have to listen to find out. Welcome back to Avery After Dark. As always, I am your host, Avery Ross. And hey, if you're enjoying Avery After Dark, you find yourself looking forward to episodes every week, if you'd be so kind as to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, it helps out so much in growing the show, so thank you all. And if you want all these episodes early and ad-free, join the Patreon. Just $3 a month, that's it. You can join up by clicking the link in the show notes. All right, you all know how we do it around here. On Avery After Dark, we get right into it. This is the strange and twisted case of Dolly Ostrich and the lover in the attic. Our story begins with a married couple. While Berga, she went by Dolly, and her husband, Fred Ostrich. The couple lived together in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Dolly was a stay-at-home wife in her early 30s, and Fred was the breadwinner of the family in his late 30s. He was very successful and made a lot of money. He owned a few businesses, one of them being a very profitable apron factory in town, but with his work came long hours. Long hours that were spent away from Dolly. This was one of many issues in the marriage, but to understand it, we have to understand how Dolly and Fred got together in the first place because this will help us understand why things were so rocky between the two. Dolly herself was born in 1880 and grew up in Wisconsin. She was raised in a community of fellow German immigrants. Growing up, her family did not have a lot of money. Dolly had to get her first job at just 12 years old. She was a very outgoing and very charismatic young girl and landed a job at a local textile mill where she met Fred, who was 17 years old at the time, and they began a relationship. 17 years old and 12 years old, that is disturbing. But this wasn't uncommon for that time period. The two dated for years and then got married when Dolly was just 17 years old. As Fred's wife, Dolly was popular among Fred's employees and was known to peacefully resolve labor disputes by acting as a mediator. Dolly was seen as more likable and easy to deal with as opposed to the more distant Fred. So the two lived a very prosperous life, meaning they had a lot of money, but Fred was at work every day and wasn't home very much. And Miss Dolly said that she had needs that were not being met by Fred. She didn't want to sit alone all day every day with no lover. She was bored and lonely. And from the beginning of the marriage, Dolly was rumored to have invited many lovers into her home during the day while Fred was away at work. Dolly wasn't like the other housewives who liked to keep busy cooking and cleaning throughout the day. She needed much more. Fred was also reportedly a heavy drinker, which infuriated Dolly because when he would get home, he would either be too tired or too drunk to be with her. So Dolly and Fred have been together since she was 12 years old. Now they have this married life, which is financially fulfilling for Dolly, but that was about it. And this is the point where our story takes a bizarre and scandalous turn. One autumn day in 1913, Dolly, now 33 years old, was at home per usual and sat down to do some sewing, when she found her sewing machine was broken. She calls Fred at work and tells him this. She was frustrated, so Fred says, sure, I'll send a repairman to the house. Later that afternoon, there was a knock at the door. 
on the front doorstep was a young man by the name of Otto Sanhuber. He had his toolkit in hand and was ready to help out Dolly. But Otto was no stranger. Dolly was familiar with 17-year-old Otto. She knew he worked at Fred's factory and had an inkling that he would be sent over to help. When Otto arrived to their home, Dolly opened up the front door in only a robe and stockings. Yeah, Dolly knew what she was doing here. And that day, an affair began between Dolly and Otto. Otto was obviously very young, being 17 and Dolly's 33. And most would assume family would get wind of this affair and put a stop to it. But Otto reportedly didn't have any close family around. He had his job at the factory, but was on his own essentially, so this left him open to Dolly and her advances. And at first, the two proceeded with their secret love affair in the usual fashion. Meeting up at hotels, trying to remain undetected. But after a while, it just got to be too much. Kind of a hassle. And also, hotels can be expensive. Dolly was using Fred's money to cover these hotel bills, and Dolly realized, sooner or later, he was going to wonder where this money was going. The two were meeting so frequently, this was becoming a problem. So Dolly and Fred just started meeting up and sleeping together at Dolly's house while Fred was away at work. But not long after this, neighbors started asking about the teenage boy hanging around their home so often. They would ask, Hey Dolly, who's this young man sneaking in and out of your house all the time? Dolly had to think quickly to cover her tracks and not arouse suspicion, so she said, Oh, him? He's just my vagabond half-brother. But she knew she needed to do something. They were going to get caught, and it was going to blow up in Dolly's face. So what to do? They don't want to burden themselves by meeting up at hotels anymore, and now Otto can't come and go from their house as he pleases. So, affair over, right? Not so fast. Dolly had another idea a solution to their problem. Dolly asked Otto if he would move into the attic of their home. For Dolly, this was a brilliant idea. This way, they could continue their relationship, and Otto would never be seen by anyone but her. This attic was accessible through a panel in the ceiling of the closet in Dolly and Fred's bedroom, meaning the attic space that she was proposing he moved into was quite literally right above her and Fred's bedroom. How twisted is that? But if they were to do this, there were rules. Number one being, Otto could never leave the attic or someone could see him. Fred, a neighbor, he had to stay up there all the time. Number two, this wasn't a big attic. It was cramped, so he had to mine the space. And three, obviously, he could make no noise. He had to remain in silence up there as best as he could, like a ghost. And with all of this, Otto agrees and quits his job at the factory because he doesn't need money now. And at the time, this was a dream come true for Otto. He was in love with Dolly. Plus, he gets free room and board and doesn't have to work. And Otto said he always had dreams of becoming a Pulp Fiction writer, so he thinks, hey, I can spend all my quiet time up in the attic writing. So one day while Fred was away at work, Otto moves into Dolly's attic. Home sweet attic. Dolly put a small bed and a desk up there for Otto. She would bring him books to read and also bring him up meals. When Fred would leave for work in the morning, Otto would emerge from the attic, spend time with Dolly, had their little rendezvous, and also helped her clean the house. And at night, when Fred would come home, he would read mysteries by candlelight, write stories of his own, and make bathtub gin. What a life. So although Otto was ordered to stay completely silent up in the attic when Fred was home, it didn't take long for Fred to start to notice some unusual things around the house. 
he started to become really paranoid. He said that he was hearing noises, seeing shadows around the house, and also various belongings of his would go missing. He would hear footsteps at night. Food was going missing from their kitchen. Fred went to Dolly with his concerns, and Dolly would dismiss them all saying, I don't know what you're talking about. You're nuts. Go seek professional help. Here you have it. Miss Dolly was the original gaslighter. I told you, it's twisted. And over time, Fred began to think he was crazy, losing it. He even set up an appointment with a doctor to be examined, but the doctor told Fred, there's nothing wrong with you. And this continued on for five years. The three of them, living under one roof, day in and day out. Otto is now 22 years old, still living in this attic. Fred is still seeing shadows and hearing footsteps, completely on edge all the time. Meanwhile, Dolly is doing just fine. One day in 1918, Fred comes to Dolly with news that will change everything. He says to her, I've decided that we're moving to Los Angeles. A big reason for this move is because Fred can't stand living in this house anymore. I don't know if he thought that he was being haunted or what, but he feels like he's going crazy there and just wants to start a new life in sunny Los Angeles. Unknowingly for Fred, they would be bringing the source of his troubles right along with them when they moved. Because Dolly reluctantly agrees, but wants to be very involved in the home buying process, meaning she wants to pick out the house. That's not so crazy, right? Most wives will want to be involved in choosing a new home. Some say, hey, I want a big walk-in closet. Others say, ooh, I want a pool. Others, I want a beautiful kitchen to entertain and host parties in. But Dolly, she didn't care about any of that stuff. But she did have one specific request. Their new home must have one feature, an attic. Because you see, Dolly wasn't gonna be leaving her lover Otto behind. Not a chance. Before the move, Fred and Dolly traveled to Los Angeles to look at new homes. Many houses in Los Angeles didn't have attics, but Dolly finds a home overlooking Sunset Boulevard. And you betcha, it has an attic. She says, yep, mm-hmm, this is the one. And in the midst of moving out of their home in Milwaukee, Dolly sticks Otto on a train to Los Angeles, so he will be waiting for her when she arrives. So Otto arrives in Los Angeles and moves right into their new attic and gets right back to what he knows best. He continues writing his fiction stories and even gets a few published. He earned a bit for these stories, so he paid Dolly for food and other necessities. But a few weeks into living in their new home in Los Angeles, Fred finds himself again paranoid and distraught. They move to the other side of the country, to a brand new home. And yet, he's still hearing noises, footsteps, seeing shadows. He still feels like he's losing his mind. The paranoia is growing with every day. And for whatever reason, Fred never seemed to investigate the attic, or if he did, Otto was able to hide his makeshift apartment. But either way, Fred never caught Otto living in the attic. But the tension between Dolly and Fred was growing by the day. More fighting, more arguments, and this is how life went for another four years. Until one fateful night, it all came to a head. On August 22nd, 1922, Fred and Dolly got into a blowout argument. Yelling, screaming, this was their biggest fight yet. Otto hears the commotion from the attic and couldn't stand it anymore. He felt he needed to intervene to protect Dolly. 
He crawls down from the attic into Fred and Dolly's bedroom. He grabs Fred's two 25 caliber pistols, then runs down to the kitchen where the couple is fighting and confronts Fred. Instantly, when Fred recognizes Otto from the factory back in Milwaukee, his ex-employee who he hasn't seen in years, now standing in his kitchen in Los Angeles, suddenly it all clicked. He put two and two together. Fred realized the shadows and footsteps he had seen and heard. It was Otto all along. He wasn't crazy. For the past decade, he thought he was nuts, seeking professional help. But really, his ex-employee, Otto, had been living rent-free in his home for nearly a decade, while sleeping with his wife. Fred becomes enraged, and the two men begin fighting. A giant struggle ensues. Dolly is screaming, when suddenly, the first shot is fired. It hits the ceiling. Then, the next three gunshots hit Fred in the chest, killing him instantly. Fred Ostrich is now lying dead on the floor. Otto and Dolly panic. Both of them knew their neighbors heard Dolly's screams and would report the gunshots. They knew police would be arriving any minute. So they quickly come to the agreement to make this appear as a robbery. Dolly runs up, gives Otto all the cash that the couple had in their bedroom and other valuables of Fred's, like his diamond watch. Otto locks Dolly in a closet and tosses aside the key, giving her an alibi. Dolly could not have shot Fred because she was locked in the closet the entire time. This closet would only lock from the outside. So Otto quickly rushes, gets himself back upstairs into the attic to hide with the cash, the valuables, and the pistols. He sits and waits. When police arrive on the scene, authorities walk into a crime scene. Fred lying dead on the floor, Dolly in the closet. Officers immediately begin asking her what happened here. She told them, well, a robber broke into the house, shot Fred, took some expensive belongings, and then locked her in the closet before fleeing the scene. Police couldn't find the gun used to kill Fred, nor any other evidence of anyone else there. Although the police are pretty skeptical of her story and strongly suspect Dolly, the whole thing just sounded strange to them. They continued questioning Dolly, asking if she and Fred ever argued, got into any fights, but Dolly insisted that the two never argued. But police could never prove anything. They didn't have any evidence to tie her to the murder, and they couldn't explain how she could lock herself in the closet. So they ruled the murder an act of burglary, and Dolly walked free. So now that Fred is deceased, Dolly is a widow, and she inherits all of Fred's money. She moves into a new house and starts her new life. And after the past decade of hiding Otto in the attic, you would think the two would finally live out in the open, they could have a normal relationship now, be a normal couple. But no, when Dolly moves into this new house, she doesn't move Otto into her bedroom. She moves him back into her attic, again. Otto's like, so should I move downstairs? And she's like, mm, I don't think so. The only change was that Otto was gifted a typewriter for his stories. With Fred gone, he didn't have to remain silent like he did before, but was still stashed away in the attic. And now another quick word from today's sponsors. You're back with Avery After Dark. So Dolly is starting fresh. Well, kind of fresh. She has her new home, but still has Otto back up in her attic. But she started seeing someone new, her personal attorney, a wealthy lawyer named Herman S. Shapiro. 
She had actually hired Herman Shapiro after being suspected in Fred's murder. Dolly was very taken with Herman, and the two start this whirlwind romance. And not too long into their new relationship, Dolly gifts Herman with an extremely nice gift, a diamond watch. But this wasn't just any diamond watch. This watch had been previously owned by Fred Ostrich. The same watch that Dolly reported to police that was stolen the night the robber supposedly broke in and then killed Fred. So how would she have it? Herman asked Dolly, Um, this looks a lot like the watch you reported as stolen when your husband was killed. Why would you have it? Dolly tells Herman that she later found that watch in the front yard and that the robber must have dropped it by mistake as he fled the scene that night. She's like, be cool, Herman. Take the gift. And Herman's like, okay, eh, we don't have to get hung up on the details. But Dolly found out that just like her first and late husband, Fred, Herman Shapiro worked long, long hours at the office as well. He worked full time and this again, didn't bode well for Dolly. This was flashbacks of Fred for her, even though she still has Otto in the attic, she needed more. So she takes up another lover an aspiring actor named Roy Klump. The reason behind Dolly's affair with Roy is debated. Some say she wanted another lover. This was Dolly's MO. Others say it's because she wanted someone to do her dirty work, specifically getting rid of the two pistols that were used to kill Fred. One day, Dolly comes to Roy saying that she needs his help. She found this gun around the house and didn't want to get in trouble as this gun looked very similar to the gun that was used to kill Fred. She said she just found the gun at the house one day. She's confiding in him, please help me, I'm innocent, and this isn't the gun that was used to kill Fred, but this is gonna make me look really bad if anyone finds it. Roy is understanding and he agrees to take care of it for her and tosses the gun in the La Brea tar pits. But what about the other gun that was used? the other 25 caliber pistol. Well, Dolly didn't quite feel that asking Roy to dispose of both guns would go over well, so she turned to a neighbor for help. Dolly goes to her neighbor with the same spiel as Roy, that she found this gun at home, it's not what it looks like, but hey, can you get rid of it for me? And yet another man plays right into Dolly's hand. Her neighbor agrees, takes the gun, and buries it in his garden underneath a rose bush. Why Dolly felt the need to get these other men involved in covering up Fred's murder is really beyond me. And also why they obliged is also beyond me. But safe to say, Dolly thinks that she has done away with any evidence connecting her to her husband's murder. She thinks she's in the clear. That was until a few years later when things got ugly between Dolly and Roy. Dolly ended things with Roy and supposedly Roy also discovered that she was dating Herman Shapiro behind his back. He's the other man. And this breakup didn't go over well for Roy. He was heartbroken that Dolly dumped him. Not just heartbroken though, he became vengeful. Dolly was going to regret breaking up with Roy. So what does he do? Roy goes straight to police. He tells the already suspicious authorities that years prior, Dolly had asked him to drop a gun in the tar pits and he believes that this is now evidence. Police go to the La Brea tar pits, conduct a full search, and recover the gun. From there, they finally have enough to arrest Dolly for suspicion of murder. And when that neighbor sees police at Dolly's home arresting her, he too comes clean about what Dolly asked him to do. 
They dig up that second gun from his yard that he had buried per Dolly's request years prior, and police now have both guns in their possession. So Dolly is now sitting in jail, awaiting her trial, but back at home, Otto is still up in the attic, all alone and clueless about Dolly's current situation. So she confides in her boyfriend, Herman Shapiro. She asks him if he would, quote, buy groceries for San Huber and to tap on the ceiling of the bedroom closet to let him know that he should come out, end quote. She tells Herman that Otto was her vagabond brother and he lived in her attic. Herman agrees, goes to Dolly's house, knocks on that closet ceiling, and out pops Otto. Otto had not seen nor talked to anyone in a while. He was very skinny, pale. It was obvious that he had been up there alone for a while and was pretty eager and starved for conversation. So much so that as soon as Otto gets out of the attic and gets to talking, he won't stop. He tells Herman Shapiro everything, that Dolly is actually his lover, he isn't her vagabond brother, they are intimate and have been for a decade. Herman is really angered by this. Dolly is his girlfriend, or so he thought, and he immediately kicks Otto out of the house for good, telling him, beat it. I'm her boyfriend, you gotta go. Not long after, Herman Shapiro uses his lawyer abilities to get Dolly released from jail as police found that neither of the guns could be tied back to Dolly or the murder of Fred because the guns were so corroded, very decayed. Because of this, any and all charges were dropped and Dolly again walks free. After she's released, Herman moves in with Dolly and they live together for seven years. And it was happily ever after. Not. In 1930, Herman caught Dolly cheating on him, yet again. And yet again, he got revenge. Herman goes to police with all the evidence that he had collected on Dolly in the past years they had been dating and living together. He told police that his evidence proved that Dolly was indeed guilty and involved in the murder of Fred Osterick. He also told police about Otto and how she had him living in the attic at the time, so he was probably the one that locked her in the closet, giving her that convenient alibi. But he doesn't stop there. Herman also tells police that it's very likely they staged the murder as a robbery and that he believed that both Otto and Dolly were responsible for Fred's murder. So police arrest Dolly again, but weren't able to track down Otto for a while. Unknowingly in the meantime, Otto had moved to Canada and changed his name to Walter Klein and had gotten married. Obviously, when he got kicked out of that attic, he opted to completely start over as a different person, leaving his past behind him. But as we all know, your past has a way of catching up with you. After a year, Otto moved back to Los Angeles and police track him down. Otto was then arrested and confessed to everything. And in 1930, Otto was charged with murder and Dolly was charged with conspiracy. The trial was a spectacle, as you can imagine. And it was interesting. Otto initially said that he loved Dolly and was concerned for her safety that night with Fred. And that's why he did what he did but later kind of changed his story, claiming that Dolly took advantage of him, abused him. Otto's defense also stated that because Dolly locked Otto away at such a young age, Otto wasn't able to mature as a normal young man. He had no family around, no social life, so he should be found not guilty by reason of insanity. The defense stated, quote, Dolly had enslaved him, end quote. A jury found Otto guilty of manslaughter, but, the statute of limitations on manslaughter had expired the year prior, so Otto walked free. Dolly's trial was next. She was charged with conspiracy in Fred's murder, but her trial ended in a hung jury, so Dolly, like Otto, 
walked free, and the indictment was eventually dropped in 1936. So in the end, both Dolly and Otto got away with Fred's murder. Dolly stayed in Los Angeles, later remarried, and passed away in 1961 at age 80. This case was a media sensation because of how strange it was. This man, living in an attic for a decade, it was known as the Batman case since Otto was kept up in that secluded, dark, cave-like attic. This case is also bizarre as you don't hear about wives stashing their lovers in their attics very often. Dolly's case will go down as one of the strangest in history. You already know. It's now time for Ask Aves, the segment where we cover submissions that you all have sent in. Reminders, send in your questions and stories to the email in the show notes. We've got some good ones today. First up is from Destiny. Destiny writes, Hi Avery, I've been wanting to write in as I too love ghost stories and hearing about interesting haunts. I've gotten behind on episodes and was catching up when I heard Kensington's question about Ouija boards. I was about her age when we moved into a new house in a new city that was very haunted. After about six months, I had made a new friend and she suggested bringing her Ouija board over during a sleepover. My bedroom had a little girl's spirit that would play with things in the middle of the night and just be sweet. The basement was another story. It was a very negative feeling down there. So like inquisitive minds do, we went to the basement. To this day, I'm in my 30s now. I believe we accidentally invited or woke up something very evil in that house. We later found out that a family was murdered there and we experienced a lot in that house. The basement got to the point I wouldn't go down there alone. That friend quit coming over or even speaking to me not long after using that Ouija board. I absolutely agree with you that they are a terrible idea. I pray over my home to this day out of fear for my time there. Thank you so much for all you do. My son and I really enjoy listening to you and watching you on TikTok. We hope you stay blessed and safe. Sincerely, Destiny. Thank you so much for writing in, Destiny. I'm so happy that you and your son are enjoying. Sounds like there was something really dark in that basement. I hear some stories about people using Ouija boards and having positive experiences. They feel they've connected with a past loved one or a kind spirit. But just as often, I hear about people using Ouija boards and connecting to a dark spirit. And strange things start happening. It seems like Russian roulette. Some people want to take that chance. I personally do not. And Destiny, I'm glad you pray over your home and keep it a light and blessed space. That's exactly what I do too. And I'm glad you're out of that house and that basement. Boo. Next up is a story that comes to us from Carrie. She writes, My story is not a super scary one. Actually, it's a bit of a love story, but I thought it might be worth sharing nonetheless. When I was two years old, my grandparents moved into a new home, a house they are actually still in 29 years later. They knew the previous owner had passed away in the home, but it was a peaceful death and expected, so it didn't seem to be anything for them to worry about. But after moving into the home, they started experiencing some odd occurrences. They would wake up often to find their shoes on the dining room table, obviously not where they had left them. They would walk in to find lights that they knew they had turned off to be turned on, again, or vice versa. Keys would go missing and then turn up in places they had searched thoroughly before, and other small but unexplainable occurrences. After about a year or two of living in this house, there was finally a sighting of the ghost that had been messing with my grandparents' things. My mother and I and some other family members were over visiting with my grandparents one day and I had to use the bathroom. 
Someone else must have been using the bathroom on the main floor, so my mom told me I could use the bathroom downstairs, technically their basement. But it was fully finished, almost like another apartment with a fully equipped kitchen, bar, living room, and bathroom. So it's not like my mom was sending me down into the creepy dark basement bathroom, or so she thought. I came back upstairs and told her that I couldn't use the bathroom down there either. She asked me why, and I stated, quote, because there's a man in that bathroom, end quote. She looked around to confirm that everyone was present and accounted for and said, everyone's up here. No one should be in the bathroom. I said back to her, quote, but I saw someone. There was a man standing in the bathroom, end quote. Finally believing me, my grandparents and mother remembered all the strange occurrences that had been happening and assumed that I had encountered the ghost responsible for all the odd happenings around the house. Then one day, the widow of the man that had passed away in the house stopped by the home to visit. She chatted with my grandparents and reminisced about all the good memories she had there. My grandma will tell you that after that day, they never experienced another haunting again. It all suddenly stopped. She believes the ghost was looking for his wife, and when she came to visit that day, he finally reunited with her and either passed over or left with his wife to finally be with her again. Thanks so much for the podcast. I found it recently and binged it until I was all caught up. Carrie. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Carrie. A ghostly love story? Come on, Carrie, that's right up our alley. I am not surprised that you were the one to see the spirit in the home. Kids are usually more susceptible to ghost sightings because they have a much greater sense of awareness than most adults. Kids and animals can pick up on energies that go unnoticed by most adults. But there's something really special and heartwarming about your story. To think that the spirit in your grandparents' home was just lost and looking for his love and then found her? Your story has a very happy ending. I wanted to end today's episode with Carrie's story because when I read it, it really touched me. Appreciate you writing in, and remember, send in your questions, stories, anything that you want to talk about. I really love hearing from you all. And until next episode, this is Avery After Dark.